Hi everyone, welcome to the American Constitutionalist. I'm Jeff Tokar, your host. This podcast is going to be different than our previous podcasts. Tonight, I will be by myself as I will share with you my heart about America in this day and age. Cliff, Lonnie, and Cousin Dave will be back with us next week as we continue to study the Constitution and its relevance to America's future. Do you realize just how significant the divine blessing of the creation of America truly is? On January 10th, 1776, Thomas Paine said, We have every opportunity and every encouragement before us to form the noblest, purest constitution on the face of the earth. We have it in our power to begin the world over again. A situation similar to the present hath not happened since the days of Noah until now. What a statement. They knew that this was the last opportunity on earth to develop a free nation. The first settlers to Jamestown, the pilgrims, the Puritans, and those that came after them brought with them God's holy word, the Bible. Payne stated further, Let it be brought forth, placed on divine law, the word of God. Let a crown be placed thereon, by which the world may know that so far as we approve of monarchy, that in America the law is king. And that law was based on the precepts and the principles found in the Bible. There are two powerful proclamations of American freedom that ring through the halls of history to this present day. First of all, the Declaration of Independence, and I read to you. When in the course of human events it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them to, with another, and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitle them, a decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare that cause which impel them to the separation. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with inherent and inalienable rights, that among them are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. And then I move to the preamble of the United States Constitution. We, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, do ordain and establish this Constitution for the United States of America. We discussed before the Articles of Confederation on how it just was not adequate to run this nation. Therefore, the United States Constitution came into place on September 17, 1787. At that time, it contained seven articles and contains only seven today. Amendments to the Constitution came into existence on Wednesday, March 4, 1789 in New York. The framers of the Constitution knew that it would need adjustments in the future. That's why they wrote Article 5, and it states, The Congress, whenever two-thirds of both houses shall deem it necessary, shall propose amendments to this Constitution, or, on the application of the legislatures of two-thirds of the several states, shall call a convention for proposing amendments. 
Twelve amendments were proposed at that time, and only ten were adopted. The current United States Constitution has 27 amendments. If you ever get the chance to study the Constitution with a man named Michael Ferris, do it. He's a great instructor on it, and he'll tell you the most important provision in the Constitution is Article 1, Section 1. And it says, All legislative powers herein granted shall be vested in a Congress of the United States, which shall consist of a Senate and House of Representatives. Who has the power to make the rules in America? Who has the power to make our laws? According to Article 1, it is the Congress. 100% of legislative power of the United States is given to Congress. But the problem we are addressing here on the American Constitutionalist is that Congress is not taking the responsibility and accountability for their job. They are weak and acquiescing their constitutional duty. You see, no other agency can make laws for the United States. The IRS can't. The EPA can't. Supreme Court justices cannot make law. It is our drive to inspire you and challenge America to get back to the original intent of our Constitution. In upcoming elections, we need to nominate and vote for those who will make the commitment to do so. The core in America today are the values that are being manifested from the United States government. Since we find ourselves with the current unrest in America, I want to take a moment to let you know that we're going to look at the last part of the First Amendment on free speech this week, and next week we'll go back to the first part of Amendment 1 when we look at the freedom of religion. In addition, I want you to know that the tentacles of free speech will take us on a broad journey into many areas throughout this podcast. So what does it say in the First Amendment of the United States Constitution? It reads, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press, or the right of the people peacefully to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. This past Tuesday morning, a local radio station here in Dallas, the WBAP Morning Show, held a race relations summit with various ministers and professionals of different race. They were all great American citizens with good intent. But I hate to say it, other than point to God as a solution, to me this summit was just another let's hold hands and sing kumbaya session like the many in decades past, knowingly or unknowingly, championed by media, politicians, and civic leaders that have not gotten us far in America in regard to race. I'm not saying their opinions or discussions was bad, but what I am saying, it was the same post-rhetoric we always hear in situations like the present in America. I remember being a kid growing up in Youngstown, Ohio, when in July of 1967, race riot curfews were enacted. It was at 7 o'clock then that you had to be in. And to a kid in summer, this was devastating. Back then, many of you will remember, we only had three channels of black and white TV. Videos and movies on VHS or DVDs didn't exist, and we certainly didn't have video games. But what we did do was go outside from sunup to sundown. We played football, baseball, kickball, tag, hide-and-seek. We did all kinds of fun things. 
until the porch light was turned on and it was time to come home, you just had a wonderful day outside. And to have a curfew, to be in at 7 o'clock when the hours are lighter in the summer, it was devastating to me as a young man. I want to read to you an article that was written by U.S. News at that time. And you can find this written at www.usnews.com. I'm not making this up. 109 U.S. cities faced violence in 1967 from April into August, over five months. The deeper causes of the riots were high levels of frustration, resentment, and anger that had been created among African Americans by unemployment and underemployment, persistent and extreme poverty, racism, and racial segregation, police brutality, and lack of economic and educational opportunities. This article originally appeared in the August 14, 1967 edition of U.S. News and World Report. Please note, and I'm reading, that it contains language that was widely used at the time, but may be considered offensive by today's standards. More than 100 cities of the United States have been hit by violence this year. At least 177 persons have been killed, thousands injured. Property damage has approached $1 billion. National Guardsmen have been called out more than 20 times to help police. And once, in Detroit, U.S. Army troops were used in addition to the National Guard. This year's riot season began April 7th. Here, in chronological order, are cities that have been hit by violence so far in 1967, as reported by United Press International and the Associated Press. It goes on to list the many cities until it comes to Youngstown, Ohio. And I read, Youngstown, Ohio, July 22nd, through dynamite and firebombs, harassed police and firemen. Of course, this was during the era of peaceful protests led by Dr. Martin Luther King, who sought equal freedom for all Americans, black and white, no matter race or religion. Did it bring change according to the time at hand? Yes. Mrs. Parks can now sit at the front of the bus. Blacks can eat at the same restaurants as whites. Blacks can drink from the same fountain. Blacks could go to the same elementary, junior high, high school, and colleges as whites. Blacks have the opportunity to be educated and pursue careers of their dreams, live anywhere they want in America, and be part of the American dream. But between black and white in America, is that believed to be universally really true? However, if I understand the current temperament in America, the answer would be no. And the predominant claim today is the lack of justice for all, claiming discrimination against blacks in contrast to white justice. The historical discriminatory claim has been for equality at all levels of life. So what does that truly mean? Do we or will we ever truly be equal, all races, gender, age, and faith? Does that mean our only hope is in socialism? How do we achieve justice for all? Do we step back to segregation, only allow white cops to manage white crime and black cops black crime and so forth? I think not. When they came to the close of the morning show on WBAP, they presented each guest the opportunity to discuss options for the future. The preponderant future opportunity on the show was more or less back to kumbaya. Now hold your horses here a minute. I'm not saying we do not need to reach out in support of each other and compassion for better race relations. But what I'm saying is historically, 
we all come up with just the same solution, another kumbaya moment. We all say we need to talk more, listen more, and just get along as God's children. Yes, that's all true, and I'll elaborate on that shortly. Since real progress in equality had initially been made by Dr. King's leadership, all we have ever seen since were those moments of platitude. We have had decades of unrest bubbling with a protest here, riots there, and on and on and on. For the last few decades, all we hear about is that the system is broken. We needed systematic change. Justice must prevail. But just exactly what is that? Officer Derek Chauvin was charged with third-degree murder charges in the death of George Floyd. The other three officers have been charged too. Is that not the way the system is supposed to operate? And if justice were truly sought in this incident, then would the protests and riots cease right after these charges were made against him and the other officers? In this and past events, we demand police review boards and change in departmental policies. That's good, but what are the changes? Supposedly, lessons learned from all other protests and riots were accomplished by this, right? I'm tired of public and media platitude. I want to see the list. Stop complaining about a problem without producing the list of solutions. Exactly what does that entail? Exactly what is broken and how do we fix it? What are the systematic changes? Name them, please. What is your definition of justice and what needs to be changed accordingly? We will never, ever get close to a resolution without the details being spelled out. Someone, please step up and spell it out. I challenge you, validate it, quantify it. I'm not talking kumbaya, hold hands, touchy-feely. We've heard about that and continue to hear about it. Spell it out. Talk is cheap. A problem means we need a solution. Are the solutions tangible or intangible to resolve the core problems in America today? To me, the WBAP Race Relations Summit was just another example of a we-feel-good moment that danced around the periphery of truth and genuine resolution. Now, I'm not trying to be sarcastic. I'm on your side for resolutions to a critical issue in America that we talk about solving, but we never solve. If we don't have a roadmap and we don't know where we're going, then how will we know when we arrive? Can we ever arrive? You need a plan to build a building. You need a design and blueprints. You need specifications. You need an order of progression to see the project through to a successful completion. It takes great thought and planning to accomplish. It takes little thought to vandalize, destroy, and even burn down. To prostitute legitimate freedom of speech, freedom to assemble peacefully, by smashing taxpayer police vehicles, throwing objects at police officers, by shooting or stabbing police officers, by destroying, looting, vandalizing another person's business, another person's source of income, another person's sustenance of life is outright anarchy. Hillary Clinton, those are the deplorables in America. I want every American to have the opportunity to pursue the American dream, we are talking opportunity, because in no circumstance will there ever be a guarantee. I'm here to tell you it will never completely be solved, and the issues go deeper than just race. 
That's why I believe the nonsensical rioting continues. The only foundational true highlight of the WBAP Race Relations Summit was that this is a heart issue. This is a heart issue means it is a God issue. An internal relationship with God in your heart, mind, and soul. That is the main problem, and He is the solution. It doesn't sound sexy enough for public consumption, though, right? That's too simple. It'll never work. America was founded upon Judeo-Christian values. You see, Christianity means to believe in Jesus Christ with the intent to emulate Him in life. Our Declaration of Independence and Constitution were founded on those values and God's holy word, the Bible. That was the core of our founding values. There never was a statement that said you had to be a Christian or read the Bible. But the core of this country and its freedom was built upon regardless of belief. But progressing without those values has led us to the current state of unrest. I contend that many do not even know the core of their unrest. There is no respect or fear for the holiness of God and His Word in America. Therefore, there is no respect for the freedom that God has blessed us with in abiding by the original intent of the Constitution. There is no respect for law and hence justice. There is no respect for our elected leaders. There is no respect for the sanctity of life. There is no respect for God's plan for marriage. There is no respect for his commandments. There is no respect for law enforcement officers. So how do you think we're going to change? One claim on the morning show was the need for education. The founding values of this country presented the very values in our education system we seek today, yet over decades we have stamped it out of education and society. In fact, look at the age of the majority of those protesting and rioting. What do you think modern education has taught them? They are subliminally searching for euphoric peace and satisfaction in life that eludes them so their frustrations and actions lead them to no finite freedom from strife. So when we say we need to educate, just what education is that? The problem goes deeper into government. The lack of adherence to the United States Constitution has led to fraud, corruption, it all flows downward from our national leadership, and everything rises and falls on leadership. It flows down to the lack of leadership in the home, the godly spiritual leadership of fathers. It comes from God-seeking fathers and mothers raising a family together to seek and fear God. Ah, but that's too hard. That's common sense. Besides, that means simple rules, law, and order. It starts from birth, teaching in the home that Jesus loves all the children, red and yellow, black and white. They're precious in his sight. If there is not a godly change of heart in the home and the countenance of racial accusation against the other in the home, we will get nowhere, because then it is inbred. The media, liberals, and anti-American instigators exasperate the sociological problem with more confusion, delusion, and human tension. Prostitutes of power jubilantly feed the frenzy with manipulation and suppression while appearing to be the light of hope, but are the pied piper of darkness and illusion. Black Americans have been subconsciously held captive to this since LBJ figured out how to gerrymander the Kennedy Civil Rights Plan to the advantage of political power. You know as well as I do that equality only comes from God. 
we are created equal in his sight. However, if we all do not believe or strive to emulate God in our life, equality is virtually unattainable. Jesus said the first great commandment is to love God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. That is the truth the youth of today are missing. That is what they are seeking. That is what they have lost in education. Eternal peace and equality that can only be found in God. The very first textbook, the New England Primer, taught the alphabet through the use of biblical scripture verses. Major colleges and universities stood upon the same Judeo-Christian principles as the founders of this country. Therefore, until all believe, until there is a true change of heart, everything will be platitude. We are human, and humans will continue to make mistakes. Only God can impact human nature. There is not a police department or officer in America who would not agree that they are educated to protect property and life. They all understand the mission is to preserve the individual rights of every person in America to have the opportunity for due process of justice in a court of law. No matter how many lists we make, no matter how many meetings we hold, it will not get better. In fact, it's only going to get worse. No matter how much money is contributed to educating law enforcement and public alike, I promise you one thing. Another white officer who lacks training who lacks restraint, who lacks heart, will intentionally or unintentionally kill another black man or woman sometime in the future. I can almost guarantee it. And then, without a change in the heart of America, how far will the destruction go? Abraham Lincoln said, If destruction be our lot, we must ourselves be its authors and finisher. As a nation of free men, we must live through all time, or die by suicide. President Trump has had little help in keeping America great, and it's required of him. Here is his oath of office that he reads when he places his hand on that Bible. I do solemnly swear or affirm that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same, that I take this obligation freely without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion, and that I will well and faithfully discharge the duties of the office on which I am about to enter. So help me God. Liberals in the media attack him at every word, and we can even find Republicans who take the opportunity to frag him from their fetal position of cowardice to stand for truth, the Constitution, and America. So again, I make my challenge to all of Congress especially Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, our nation's governors and mayors, council members and trustees, Al Sharpton, Jesse Jackson. We need to see the issues written out. We need to see your plan for resolution. No more promises. No more talk. Lay all the cards on the table. The wound has been ripped open again. We are suffering from hypovolemic shock. We need a transfusion of godly leadership who has the courage to stand on the firm foundation of our Constitution, law, and order. I am a firm champion of God, America, and freedom, and that is in the only order it can come. The real change can only come in the heart of each and every heart of man. Only God can bless America. 
but keep up the platitudes. It makes the conscience feel like we're really seeking progress. Until the next time. Yet, we'll continue to sing God Bless America. John Adams said, Our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. If God-fearing Americans are not involved at the ballot box, and God-fearing leaders are not elected, then God-honoring policies will not be enacted, and the respective city, states, and nation will not be blessed by God. A good government will produce good laws, but without divine representation, we can only be governed by the current ebb and tide of the prevailing humanistic morality. This country was built on Judeo-Christian values, including the precepts and principles found in the Bible. Therefore, we need to elect leaders with the correct caliber of leadership, with the right set of guiding principles that will produce the right kind of laws. America is a republic with a republican form of government, guided by nature's law and nature's God, whose powers are specified in a written constitution, joined thereto by a list of inalienable rights given by our Creator, not to be infringed by government, but gives purpose to our government to protect those rights. That is why we are here on the American Constitutionalist. It is time for Americans to go back and reflect on its origin. It is time for Americans to become reacquainted with our history. And it is time for Americans to become reacquainted with our own governing documents. No other will suffice if we desire to truly continue to be one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all.